We are having a great weekend at Anderson Hills. It's been uh, D-Now weekend for our students, 7th to 12th grade after a two-year hiatus. Woohoo! They've uh, really been fed, and they'll, they're finishing up in the annex this hour. and will be with us in worship at the 11 o'clock service. And on this fifth Sunday of January, it's Family Fifth Sunday, and we get to worship together as families today. That is amazing, too, and it's um, really, really wonderful. Um, as you've been hearing, we're starting a new sermon series today um, on prayer. And, you know, simply speaking, prayer is talking with God. Prayer is having a conversation with Jesus. We tend to overcomplicate things about our faith, don't we? But faith is really just about having a relationship with God. And we all know that good communication is necessary for a good relationship, whether it's with your spouse or with your kids or with your best friend. Talking with them regularly, checking in with them, listening to them is essential if you're going to have a good relationship. Well, prayer changes us by bringing us closer to God. And it helps us know God better. Today we're talking about meeting with God in that one-on-one personal kind of prayer time. Because, you know, the more we get to know God, the more we trust him. And the more we trust him, the bolder we can become in our prayers to him. So in this series, we're going to see why a more consistent and deeper prayer life matters to each and every one of us. And we'll see that prayer is a key catalyst in growing spiritually mature and to becoming more and more Christ-like. We're going to explore how important it is to know God, to know the God that we pray to. We're going to be inspired to meet with him more and more regularly. We're going to learn to walk in obedience to him. And we're going to learn that listening to God, asking God to speak to us, while not always easy, is way more important than us speaking to God. And as we get to know and trust God, our prayers will increase in boldness and we'll be moving away from safe prayers to stepping out and reaching, praying bold and even dangerous prayers. Let me ask you a question. How would you rate your prayer life? How would you rate your prayer life? You know, a survey was done a couple of years ago, and 14,000 people were interviewed by Crossway. And only 2% of the people in this survey said that they were very satisfied with their prayer life. 2%. That's a little small amount, isn't it? There was a way bigger percentage of people that indicated that they were moderately satisfied or even had a low satisfaction rate with their priority of prayer in their life. So it's easy for us to look at prayer like it's this add-on or this accessory to our life, but, but it's really the most important thing that we can be doing. You see, our prayer is our connection with God. So if we minimize or ignore our prayer life, we're really just kind of minimizing or ignoring God. Now that sounds bold. It sounds in your face, but It's true. If we don't come to the throne room of God regularly, we're kind of putting God out of our life. 
And so we need to ask ourselves a question. What is it going to take for me to become more of a person of heartfelt prayer until heartfelt prayer is really at the core of my being, the core of who I am? What will it take for me to be more of a prayer warrior whose life goal is to put Jesus Christ first in everything in our life? Do you want to learn about prayer and life in general from spending time with God and his word? I do. I think you do too. That's why you're here today. Because when we do that, we're going to be better equipped to handle all the things that come our way in life. And come our way they will, won't they? We've been seeing that throughout our life. So as our prayer life grows, so does our worship of God and our learning about God and about Jesus Christ. And so as your relationship grows, your gifts and your skills also grow, and your meaning and your purpose in life also grows. So the more we pray, the more we become passionate, the more we have deeper worship experiences, the more we become better leaders um, in our homes and in our church, the more we develop in our knowledge and maturity and character and understanding of who God is and how God is calling us to serve God and the world. You know, at its most basic level, prayer is talking to God just like God is your friend, and he is. You don't have to go to pastor school in order to know how to pray. You don't need any special words at all. You just need to talk to God like you're talking to a friend. And each and every one of you talks to your friends, don't you? I know you do. You're my friends. We talk. You know how to do this. We all know how to do this. We talk to God just like he's our friend, even though he is so much more than a friend. I think one of the most intriguing things about Jesus' ministry is that Jesus himself spent a whole lot of time in prayer. That's amazing to me. God in human form longed for and knew the importance of prayer with the Father. Prayer was an important part of Jesus' life of obedience. So many times in the Gospels, we read about Jesus getting up early in the morning to spend time with God. We see Jesus going off by himself to a deserted place, a quiet place to pray. He prayed because of his relationship with the Father and because of the confidence that he had in his father's perfect provision and plan. And there's a mystery there, isn't there? That God the Son communicated with God the Father through prayer. And so Jesus sets an incredible example for us to follow as followers of his his disciples noticed how important prayer was to Jesus. And so one day they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. I'm going to be reading from Luke 11, verses 1 to 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father... 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. You know these words. Maybe you learned them as a child. We pray them regularly in worship. They are a simplified version of the Lord's Prayer as it's found in Matthew 6. Jesus gave it to the disciples as a format of prayer to follow. And this prayer has guided Christians throughout the centuries. And in this model prayer that Jesus gives to the disciples, we see him open the prayer with praise and and adoration of God. Hallowed be God's name. Reminds us that God is holy, that God is set apart, that God is, his name is sacred. And yet at the very same time that God is holy and set apart, he's also our father in a close and intimate and personal way. And so knowing that God is both close and personal and holy and other puts us in the right place, in the right frame of mind to continue this conversation with God. And so we're taught next to align our wills and and our requests with, with what God wills and with what God is working in the world. We pray that God's kingdom will come on earth just like it is in heaven. And then Jesus teaches us that just like an earthly mother or father sees to it that the needs of their son or daughter are taken care of, so it is with God. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. And that reminds us that God gave the children of Israel just enough food each and every day for 40 years as they wandered in the wilderness. As he provided the manna that they needed. God provides for our daily needs as well. And then Jesus teaches us next to ask for forgiveness for our sins in the same way that we offer forgiveness to people who have hurt us or sinned against us. And lastly, he asks that we not be led into temptation. But Jesus doesn't end the lesson there. He goes on with some stories, some examples. He shared some stories to help the disciples understand prayer just a little bit better. Picking back up in verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say, Friend, lend lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Now, at first glance, these stories seem a little weird, don't they? I mean, let's be real. The friend in the story doesn't seem like much of a friend at all, does he? He's actually kind of mean. I mean, I don't know. I was kind of thinking about it. What would I do if my neighbor, who I really like, by the way, knocked on my door at midnight and said, hey, you got a loaf of bread? I need some bread. I mean, I think that would be weird, but I don't think I would yell at them, would you? So the friend in this story comes knocking at midnight because some unexpected company has shown up at his door and he doesn't have anything to feed them and he wants to show them some hospitality. So this is a pretty extreme situation, right? I mean, way back then, people didn't normally travel at night. There's no electricity, so there's no street lights or porch lights or anything. It's dark. It's dangerous. People don't really go out very much at night. But you see, in in Middle Eastern culture, hospitality is really important. It's important to us. It's really important in Middle Eastern culture. And so this guy is out of bread. He doesn't have anything to set before his guests that have shown up unexpectedly. So he goes to his friend's house because he knows that his friend has some bread. And so... He quickly finds out, right, that his friend is not a night owl. (laughs) You know, he's not up at this hour. In fact, uh, he's in bed already. And so he wakes him up, and his friend is in a bad mood. You know, he says, hey, friend, let me in. And the guy inside doesn't return any of this friend language, right? It's like, get out of here. I'm in bed already. You know, I don't have anything to give you. He says, the door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. I mean, what a poor excuse, right? I mean, sure, his, his family is in bed and getting up might disturb uh, the children and stuff, but you know what else disturbs the kids? Yelling at the neighbor and saying, "I right, get out of here, I can't get up and, and help you. You know, the house is probably in an uproar by then anyway. So there's some inconvenience, but when you think about it, what a small price to pay, this inconvenience, to actually help a friend who comes to your door and is in need of something. I mean, what kind of friend would behave in that way? Well, here's the explanation. Jesus says, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. In other words, he's not going to do it because he cares anything about you. He does it because you won't leave him alone. I can just picture this guy frustrated and perturbed and saying, fine. And he stomps and gets out of bed. He grabs some bread. He shoves it in your face, pushes you out the door, slams the door in your face. And you're walking home thinking, you're mad. You're like, you can't believe that that just happened to you. And you're wondering, what kind of friend is this? Are you really even my friend? I don't know. It doesn't seem like one. You don't seem like one. And so we we read this and we're like, gosh, is, is Jesus telling us this is what God is like? This heavenly being who doesn't really care uh, if if he helps us or not, but he finally does because we won't leave him alone? That's not a very inspirational view of God, is it? But Jesus goes on and he gives this other human comparison to prayer in the next verses. And he says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. 
I mean, again, this is weird stuff, right? I mean, Jesus, what are you teaching us here? I mean, is this like some kind of ancient, biblical, practical joke or something? Oh, are you hungry and you want to fish? Well, let me see what I, what I caught today. Well, it's wiggly and it's, it might bite you. It's a snake. Look out. Or do you want an egg? Let me dig in my pocket here and see. Oh, it's a scorpion. Might sting you or something. I mean, these might be the worst dad jokes ever, right? You know, to play on your kids. It's kind of pathetic. So here's the punchline. Here's what we should not miss. Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Three key words. How much more? Jesus is not telling us that God is like that crabby neighbor who doesn't want to help you at all. And he's not telling us that he's like this father who's going to trick you with something that you didn't ask for. I mean, these examples are the low bar, right? The crabby neighbor and the the trickster father. That's not who God is. You know, even that friend ultimately helped the neighbor, even though his motives weren't great. In modern times, we might say something like this, especially today. Well, if you like peewee football, just wait until the Bengals play in the AFC championship game today. Sure, those kids are cute, but the NFL and the Bengals are so much better. It's like low bar and high bar, right? That's what Jesus is trying to tell us, that God, how much more God will help us. Think about earthly parents. Good parents want to give their kids the things that they need. So if your kid is hungry, you feed her. You don't prank her by giving her a dangerous animal unless you want, you know, a knock on your door from social services or something like that. So these earthly examples begin to help us see really the contrast between God and human beings. They're just the beginning, though, because If your selfish friend finally gets himself out of bed to help, imagine what your heavenly father is going to do. God is always loving, always faithful, always forgiving, always kind, always caring. There are no exceptions to God's love. He fills us with the power of the Holy Spirit in order to change our lives and to empower us to change the world. And my friends, prayer is powerful. So we need to tap into the power of prayer each and every day. We need to listen to what the Bible, the Word of God, promises about prayer. Let me share a few promises of God's from Scripture. Psalm 121 verse 4 says, You can pray to Him anytime, day or night, because the Word says that God never slumbers or sleeps. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, you can cast your cares upon God because his word says that he cares for you. Psalm 69, 13, you can always know that God is listening to you because his word tells us that he is. Psalm 102, 17, when you're hurting, you can trust that God hears your prayer. 
Jonah 2.7, when you've been running away from God and you feel like you're at your wit's end, you can know that God is still listening to you. Romans 8.26, when you feel weak and you don't know how to pray, you can know that the Holy Spirit is praying for you in words too deep for human understanding. Or Philippians 4.7, when you don't feel peace in your life, You can pray and God will give you peace that is greater than we can even begin to understand. And my friends, that's just the tip of the iceberg, a few of God's promises about prayer in Scripture. So hear me, friends. I'm quite sure that when we get to heaven and we're in the presence of God all the time, we'll wonder why we didn't spend more time while we were on earth spending time in the presence of God through prayer. I mean, the creator of the universe, the creator of you, the creator of me, wants us to talk to him. He wants to hear from you. He wants a relationship with you because you matter so much to him, because he loves you. And so you may be asking yourself, how do I go about sharpening my prayer life? What do I do to take it up a notch or to go a little bit deeper? How do you try something new to grow closer to God in prayer? I don't know about you. I'm always looking for some practical tips that I can use to to go deeper in my life of prayer. Well, just a second ago, I shared with you some scriptural references. And that's one thing that you can do. You can learn to pray scripture. You know, when you wonder if God is listening to you, remind yourself that Scripture promises he is listening to you. If you feel like you've been running away from God, remind yourself that God hasn't run away. He's waiting for you to come back. You can pray Scripture. Those promises of God are powerful, and there is nothing better than praying God's own promises back to God. Another thing I like to do when I'm having trouble focusing my prayers is to pray out loud. Sometimes my mind wanders, does yours? And I find that if I pray out loud, it helps me kind of stay focused. Now, I find this best to do when I'm alone or by myself. I don't know, if you don't care being that guy or that gal, you could do that out in public too. People might look at you a little bit weird, but that's okay, right? That's okay. And here's another way to keep your mind from wandering aimlessly when you're trying to pray. Sometimes if I'm praying early in the morning or if I'm praying late at night, like right before I go to bed, I find that I get very, very relaxed. And sometimes I even doze off a little bit, right? I think having a roadmap, maybe even an acronym, can help us follow, and stay more focused. On your way in today, I hope you received one of these cards that says PRAY on the top of it. It's a simple acronym, right? An acronym to help you pray, and the acronym is PRAY. How much simpler can it get than that, right? P-R-A-Y. The P stands for praise. You start praying by telling God how good he is, by by praising him, by worshiping him, by addressing the Father, the creator, the lover of your soul, the rock of your salvation. Call to mind how holy God the Father is. And you know what? Next, the R stands for repent because reminding ourselves how holy God is reminds us that we are not 
holy, that we fall short of God's glory. And so confess your sins, receive God's forgiveness, know that God will help you change and ask him to do so. The A stands for ask. What do you need God to do? This is the time when you lift your needs to God or the needs of others or the needs of the world so that God knows what's on your heart. And finally, the Y stands for yield. In that, we commit to follow God. Even when things don't work out, even when our prayer gets answered differently than we might have wanted it to be answered, we ask Jesus to be our Lord, to be our leader, to lead us on in our life of prayer. So I'm going to quit talking about prayer. And we're going to spend some time praying. I mean, how ridiculous would it be if we had a sermon series on prayer and we didn't pray, right? And so I'm going to invite you to do something today, right here, right now. It might be a bit of a stretch. But I'm offering this, inviting you, because I love you. And I want you... I want all of us to grow in our relationship with God and in our ability to pray. So stick with me while I explain this. We're going to take about five minutes and we're going to pray together. And I want to invite you to pray with someone else who is sitting near you today. And I say invite because I know for some it's not going to feel very comfortable. That's okay. No one's going to force you to do anything that you don't want to do. But maybe, maybe this is even your very first time at Anderson Hills today. And you're like, I don't even know this person that's sitting next to me. I'm not sure I want to pray with them. It's okay. It's okay. No problem. You can pray by yourself too. Nothing wrong with that. But the reason I'm inviting you is because there's power when we pray together. There is power when we pray together. And there's power in being prayed for and praying for other people too. So I just talked about the PRAY acronym. And you can use that if you want to in your five minutes of prayer time today. It's a helpful tool. But if you have a different way of talking to God, that's okay too. If you're willing to pray with someone around you, I'd invite you to get with one or two or three other people. If you're here with your family today, and many of you are, it's okay to pray as a family. How cool is that to set an example for your children as you pray as a family today? Um, if someone is sitting next to you, um, just go and say, hey, how can I pray for you today? Maybe you came in here, uh, as Angela said, with something that you couldn't just leave at the door and something's kind of heavy on your heart. Um, you might ask for prayer for that today from your partner. And if it's too heavy to actually give voice to it, it's okay to say, hey, I've got an unspoken prayer request. Would you just pray for me today? Would you just lift me up in prayer and my needs in prayer today? That would be awesome. So we're going to spend a few moments in prayer today. And I'm going to invite you now to to get ready to do that, to turn to someone near you. You can move a few seats over one way to the right or to the left and do that. You can pray by yourself if that's comfortable too. But let's go and seek the face of God in the throne room of God as we come before the Lord and just talk with him. Just converse with him. Talk to Jesus and let him know what's on your heart today. He wants to hear from you.